Blog Talk Radio.
Hello, 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 beautiful people, beautiful black people. Thank you so much for joining us on what is our inaugural podcast show called Serenity and Soul. And we are powered by AV44 Radio. I am so glad that you are here. I think we're going to dive into a lot of subjects, a lot of information about how we can help heal each other, live a life of peace, work with each other to build the relationships that we need to build in order to help our community. And I am just so excited. I am your host, Marika B. Thank you so much for being here. And tonight I am actually joined by Sergey, producer of Ask 44 Radio, and Bree Gordon, phenomenal woman, mother and author of the book Black Coffee, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But I want to tell you guys, first of all, this is a new venture for me. I, you know, am a mother myself. Um, been in relationships, had a lot of issues, as I'm sure a lot of us have um, going through this life, and I have a lot to say. I have a lot to say, a lot to talk about, a lot of things I want to unpack, deal with, figure out how to, you know, make the next half of my life be better, you know, more productive, more loving, more caring, than, you know, the first half, which, you know, as we all experience a lot of things in life. So kind of the purpose and point is to learn and to grow, and that's what we are here to do. We are going to cover various subjects. You know, we could go from first date jitters, you know, first night jitters, if you know what I mean, just meeting someone and trying to figure out if you can be together, if you can work it out, do you want to be together for life. So just a bunch of different aspects to try to help us all to become the best people that we can possibly be so that we can build these relationships and build them in the right way to help our community. So, hey, Sergey, how are you? I'm good, darling. I'm good. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Miss Bree, are you there? Yes, I am here. I am here. Thank you so much, uh, Miss Marika and Sir Jay, for having me tonight. Oh, thank you so much for being here. You know, and I got to say, you know, Miss Bree, I've just honestly met Miss Bree, and her spirit and energy is literally just off the chain. I mean, <laughs> off the chain. I I read the book. I read her book, Black Coffee, and it was literally like reading my own life kind of thing. And just, just the, what she talks about in the book, the way that she uh, laid it all out, I was just like, oh, my gosh. I was actually worried because as my first show, I'm thinking, okay, Obviously, on the podcast, you want to have, you know, maybe some dissenting opinions, you know, <laughs> nice to have a conversation. And I'm there like, oh, my God, me and this, we're probably just going to agree on the same thing. It's just going to be me and her, you know, just kind of like, girl, yes, girl, yes, yes, yes. So, but, you know, awesome, awesome read. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, you need to hear about it. You need to, to check it out, Black Coffee. 
Um, Ms. Bree, can you tell everybody where they can purchase the book, you know, all of that? Yeah. So the book is available for purchase on my website at www.bree, that's B-R-E-E, J, Gordon, and Gordon is G-O-R-D-O-N.com, and it's also available on Amazon as well. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, and it is such an easy, you know, relaxing read, honestly. Like, it, 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 the way that you laid it out and the kind of the format of the book, I absolutely loved. I thought it was amazing. Um, the story that you told was just great. And so for all the listeners out there, this show tonight, is going to be about codependency and toxic relationships. Toxic relationships, people, whatever it is, because, you know, toxic has become this buzz word, this, this you know, trending thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally buzz and, and trendy to say, oh, the, oh, yeah, well, that was toxic. This was toxic. Oh, she's toxic. He's toxic, you know. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Come on, okay. If, if, if that's the case, then are are we all just everybody. toxic or what? Right. Like, you know, everybody, everybody just toxic, right? So right. I really kind of want to like unpack this stuff. Like, let's unpack this and talk about like, well, what what is what is toxicity? Like, what is it? You know what I mean? And yes. after reading Black Coffee, Bree was completely the perfect person um to talk to about this because I feel like you did a lot of unpacking girl <laughs> you did thank a lot you, of unpacking thank you. well you know what's funny is that um so last year in 2019 I uh went through a divorce and um that was a very I had a toxic relationship on and off um I, I call it dysfunctional so my marriage and relationship of 10 years was dysfunctional. And so mm-hmm. when I sat down to just think about the overall theme of that relationship and the things I went through and how I experienced more confusion than clarity, it was just a mm-hmm. lot to unpack um, with toxicity. Um, so were you ready to unpack it or were we going to move to something else? Because I'm ready whenever you're ready to talk mm-hmm. about this. Oh well, you know we can we can unpack, girlfriend. We can unpack. You know what I'm saying? Because um, like like I I I and I have to tell you guys like the the energy like I was saying earlier the energy with Miss Gordon like I, I didn't know Miss Gordon. I didn't know Miss Brace. And you know this like I said this is my first show and I wanted to make sure I knew what I wanted to talk about. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what you want to talk about. And she came into my life so kind of like, I don't even, like, blessedly. I don't know. It's not weird. It's not coincidental. It's blessedly. You know what I mean? And seriously, seriously, after reading the book, that's I was like, oh, my God, this is, she's me. And then in the book, and I'm not going to obviously give, give away the book, but you know, it's a collection of stories that you identified with, you know, the, the women in your life that then maybe, you know, you could see yourself in. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what you did in turn was I did the same exact thing, and then I saw myself in you. And, and you it know was what, just Marika? amazing. Yes. So that that was kind of what my point was with, like, writing it from three different perspectives because I felt like mm-hmm. at some point some woman would be able to relate in some way. So you might not be able to relate to woman A, but you might be mm-hmm. able to relate to woman B because at some point I felt like all of us um, have mm-hmm. dealt with some sort of toxic relationship. And so mm-hmm. when talking about a toxic relationship specifically, I define it as a relationship that is killing you, draining you, exhausting you in some shape or form, whether that's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, like, or it could be a combination mm-hmm. of all of those things. So it's a relationship mm-hmm. that's doing you more harm than good because I think, at you know, at some point we outgrow friendships, we outgrow relationships, we outgrow people. So that doesn't necessarily have to be toxic. But if you spend mm-hmm. more time trying to keep the relationship together, then you actually get to spend it enjoying the relationship. Oh, indeed. When you question, like, okay, this may be along the lines of being a toxic relationship, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that what you just said about you, you're spending more time trying to figure out how to keep the relationship yes. versus spending time enjoying the relationship. Right. <laughs> right. I can, Totally see like like that that could be a, a, a shirt that could be a meme or something right there. <laughs> okay, if yeah. you want to know if you're in a toxic relationship, this is how. Are you spending more time um, trying to keep it, or are you actually enjoying it? You know. Yeah, yeah, and you Absolutely. know that, that's for that's for platonic relationships and romantic ones, right? So there are mm-hmm. friends where mm-hmm. y'all on one minute, y'all off. And you're just like, mm-hmm. okay, what is, are you a friend of me or friend? Like, what are you? So, right. yeah, that, that's how right, I right. define toxic. Absolutely. And so I guess the question then becomes, how do we get to toxic? How do we get there? What happens to make a situation, a relationship, a friendship, a, any kind of relationship, what gets you to toxic? Because I don't think that necessarily relationships, any relationship really starts out toxic. Mm. So you, um, so, okay, so let me back up. So I do think that there are people who prey on other people. And when I say prey, I don't mean you on your knees praying. I mean that you're looking for somebody to victimize. And so Mm -hmm. when talking about toxic relationships, there are four things that I kind of, like, think about. And so one of them is this clarity versus confusion. Like, are you more confused than you are clear in this relationship about your boundaries, about, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're going, about um, the overall relationship? And then the second thing Mm -hmm. is the commitment versus convenience. So there are people Mm -hmm. who would rather use you for what you can do for them versus being committed to the overall relationship. And so I do think that some people come into it not with good intentions versus I think most people don't come into it with, you know, toxic or um, ill intent. 
but some people do. And then another thing that I examine is like communication versus manipulation. So can I clearly communicate my feelings to you without you making me feel a certain way or portraying something a certain way that I didn't even say in the first place? Like, can I tell you how I feel without you gaslighting me or backing me into a wall or blaming Mm -hmm. or shaming me? And then the last piece of it is the control versus acceptance. So do you really accept me for who I am, even if we disagree? Or are you trying to control me or control how I perceive myself and how others perceive me? So I do Mm. think that um, one of the ways that it can grow into toxic is when you hold on to it longer than you should. So there, you know, we get red flags in the very beginning, like, okay, this ain't really sitting with me well. But then, you know, we try and see the best of people. We overlook their patterns. And we go for their potential instead. You know, they could mm-hmm. turn out to be this person. Um, and then when it happens to us over and over again, we might start feeling resentment or, you know, other negative feelings. And that's the point where it may grow into being toxic. But there are some people that I feel who come into it with ill intention. So let me ask you a question. This is Sir Jay. How you doing, Bree? Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you made it on, and um, y'all have a great show, great conversation going. Now, my question is, the codependency, depending on somebody coming into a relationship and they have a, a thing where they depend on someone else to be the responsible one, the uh, the life. risk taker, or the uh, you know just depending on someone, can can the codependency part also lead? And do you think that can also lead into a toxic relationship? Because, I mean, I would say that for the better half of my life, I was a codependent person. Um, I, I think that codependent and toxic people kind of play this dance together, you know? So a codependent person really depends on the approval of others to determine their self-worth and their identity. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do agree with you when it comes to that. Okay, okay. And, and actually, I think... Sometimes when we talk about codependency, because I've had conversations mm-hmm. with, you know, friends of mine, you know, people, you know, various people, and when when you hear the word codependent, mm-hmm. that people automatically then go to the 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 uh, what is it the prefix co okay so it's yeah. two like we, okay two people dependent on each other right so then. They don't necessarily then feel like that that is a negative situation when there is codependency because it's like, oh, well, you know, and you kind of touched on that a little bit um, in the book. But codependency itself is actually, I don't want to say a disorder, but it's it's a situation that is negative. Yeah. Because you should be inter like interdependent, you know what I mean? Yes. Like I have my own dependency. I depend yes. on myself. You depend on yourself, and we bring ourselves together. But for if you have you know a situation to where you know you don't know what your identity is unless yes. you're with someone else, and yep. then you maybe even take on the identity of that person, then yep. that's what then defines codependency. But 
on the other side of that coin, too, is then there's a person who is enabling the codependency. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we don't talk a lot I, about, you know, the, the enablers, right? Of course. I, You know what? I think that codependent people um, or a person who is codependent enables a toxic person because or to the mm. person because okay. they don't have a sense of who they are. And I'm speaking from experience. So uh-huh. they don't have a sense of who they are and they don't have boundaries. They don't set boundaries in place because they're yes. so focused on pleasing the other person. Right. So I completely yes. agree right. that codependency, I don't want to say it's a negative trait, but it's not a healthy situation to be in. Yeah, it's not it's healthy a, it's, to be codependent. Right, it can be a thin line between being supportive and enabling somebody. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can think you're being supportive, but in, but you're in essence you're being an enabler, and that can lead to the whole relationship becoming toxic because the other one can yes. never come to standing on their own or taking initiative on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. supporting habits. Like, you know, I'm not going to support no one's habit. Like, if I'm with you and I accept you for what you do, I'm not, don't ask me to purchase your things that you may be addicted to or can't shake. Exactly. That's supporting a habit. Like, I'm not going to buy your Coke. I'm not going to buy your dope. I'm not going to buy your alcohol. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to, stuff like that. I'm not going to stroke your ego. Like, Mm -hmm. exactly. Right. That's what you're depending on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and when you, like, honestly, one of the, one of the, um, the tenant, the core characteristic of co- of codependency, is excessive reliance on other people for approval yes. and yep. or sense of identity. Yep. So, you know, if if you can't really and truly stand like on your own, on your own, you don't need anybody else to approve you. You're you're good with you. You're good with you. Um. Or you and you know who you are. If you need other yep. people to tell you that, then basically you're kind of like a you know you just blowing in the wind. You blowing yep. in what whatever way the wind blows, you blowing that way. I agree. I I completely so, um, agree with both you and Sergey's you know definition and. Um, interpretation of codependency and you know what marika it's i'm shocked to hear that you know you say that people that you talk to view codependency as a healthy or good relationship um trait to have well you know that that's what i'm saying i think like that you know reading is fundamental (laughs) yes reading (laughs) is fundamental okay and you know if you're only going off of like, you know, you know, we all, well, not we all, but a lot of people learn, you know, you learn the, the prefixes, the suffixes, you know, you learn how to kind of figure out what words mean when you learn right. how to read. You know what I mean? Right. You, you just figure out, okay, so anytime, oh, co, co-worker, co-worker, oh, well, sure. that's just me, we work together. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's this. But <laughs> to actually read that it's, Codependency is a word without a dash in the middle. There's no dash right. between co and dependency. It's right. codependency. 
that is one thing that's a thing that's not co-worker or co-op right. or co-something. It's a thing. And if you only assume, which I think in this day and age, you know, what they say? What they say, says they? Common sense ain't common. Common sense ain't always common. That is <laughs> very true. Common sense ain't common. common. Sense always, <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think people <laughs> will just hear co independency and then think, oh, well, you know, that's okay. I depend on him. He depend on me. So we good. Right. Definitely. You know, and honestly, if I'm completely honest, based on conversations and just talking to other people, I think that codependency affects the black community more than any other community. And I might be saying this because I'm black, obviously, but I just, I just mm. feel that way based on women who I've talked to felt like, you know, they had to do everything to completely change their self, change their direction, change their career just to please another person, rather that be, you know, a man, you know, family members or whomever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. th- that's just my opinion, though. Um, and feel I think, to- no, I think that's totally valid, yeah. totally valid. Because we all, you know, and especially in, you know, this day and time, like I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 at the end of the month, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm moving into that latter half of life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so a lot of things that, you know, people in this age range, 40, you know, 30, 30 to 40, maybe 50, experiences that you you may be the first to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially you know, for us black people. You're the mm-hmm. first to do something. You know, I'm the first to actually graduate college kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm the first that set up a business or, you know, I'm mean, just saying in general kind of things. But so then when you have like those expectations that then get placed on you, um, and it's, it, especially when they come from a younger age, like, oh, well, yeah, we see you doing this, you start to learn and figure out how to conform to what right. other people may want you to do. Right. And then when you get older, you're like, okay, well, I've been conforming my whole life. I've been conforming. Right. I, I conformed to right. this. I did, I did that because that's what they, they, they told me that I needed to do. And right. then with regard to relationship, then you get in a relationship and that conformist attitude is then what you carry into the relationship. Absolutely. Because you even spoke about that in the book. You spoke about like, you know, you you feeling like you have to, you don't want to be characterized. Right. As the the single, the single black mom. baby mom. Yes. yes. <laughs> the bitter yes. baby mama. Okay, I'm yes. the bitter baby mama now. Yes. Um and staying in situations that you know are probably not really good for you at all. But you stay in it because of the stigmatism of you saying, I broke away. I broke away from yeah. my family. I, 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 I said, listen, this is not working for me. Right. 
But I definitely think as black women, black women especially, we take on the weight of the world in what we think is taking on the weight of the world to try to not have those stigmatisms on us. Exactly. I agree. We, you know we, what I'm saying? We've been riding, we've been riding and dying for so long that we dying in the inside. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. I completely agree. Yes. I completely, yeah. And then you'll be completely dying on the inside, picking, picking people that serve you no good, like no good whatsoever. And it's just for the sake of appearances and to look like, you know. We we got it all together, and you know we we're not that single woman. No, we're gonna yes. we're gonna debunk this whole all black women are single mothers, and that's that's definitely a problem that you know has to be like figured out. Like, how do we get to the point to where we don't have that kind of perspective of ourselves I that we can say, you know, I love me. This ain't working for me. I know I got kids, but this ain't working for me. And yep. I got to move on to what's working for me. Yep. Or, you know, changing your perspective from, hey, I'm breaking up the family to I'm breaking up dysfunction. So I'm, you know, creating a new path for my children mm-hmm. and my children's children to live and breathe in healthy relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Bree, let me ask you a question. Sure. How, okay, now, when when separating from these toxic relationships or uh, um, graduating from being dependent on the next person, it can be challenging to recover from. What kind of suggestions you have for someone that may be in the recovery process, or or may not even may be afraid to break away because they don't they're not sure they can bounce back, so they mm-hmm. stay inside the toxic relationship or whatnot. Like how how do you cope? How do you recover? Because that got like especially when you put years and years and in those years you was in a toxic relationship, connections was created through like children. Oh, right. Oh, like that because having children is going to bond you forever, you know what I mean? Definitely. So the, reco- the recovery process of, um, you know, a lot, because some people think they stay and they think they can heal that toxic person. So, like, uh, how you do know, you recover? So, for me, and I think that the overall overall theme of the book was, the importance of therapy and mental health. So the way that I was able to um, recover or be on a journey, because I I wouldn't say I have arrived. I think it's a journey, right? So I started my journey. Yeah, I started my journey with Googling. So I was Googling stuff. I would look up Mm -hmm. stuff. I would read books and all of this stuff. Like I was inundated with all of this information until I finally decided, hey, I need help. So I can't do all of this by myself. And so Mm -hmm. I think that once people change their mindset about getting help, things will change for them. Because, no, you can't do everything by yourself. And I'm aware that, you know, everyone might not have resources to 
go to therapy once a week or, you know, go to coaching um, and stuff like that. But there are other resources available, like a book, for instance. You can get a book. You can find Mm -hmm. free resources. You can join support groups, free support groups that can kind of help change your perspective because when, when you're dealing with something like this by yourself, you feel isolated. It's like you feel trapped, you feel isolated, you feel hopeless, you feel shameful and desperate. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. in this by myself. So the first thing to do is to get support from people that you can trust. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it, like I said, if it's not a therapist or a coach, then maybe a support group. And then once you're able to kind of unpack those things, because I think that sometimes we end up in these relationships because that's what we saw our mamas go through, our aunties, our cousins, our mm-hmm. sisters, and it was normalized. So we saw, yes. you know, abuse, and we thought that this is what we're supposed to do to keep a man or be in love exactly. and all of this stuff. But once right. those thoughts and characteristics are challenged, it causes us to kind of peel back those layers and dig deeper and get support and reach out to like-minded people. And for me on my yes. journey, I I journaled, I talked more, I had those hard conversations. I talked to my own mother about relationships that she had in the past, and me and her were just able to have a heart-to-heart about stuff that she went through. And so I saw the similarities yes. in our decisions and our timelines and a lot of those things. And so if you're breaking yes. away from a toxic person, a lot of what you have to do is also establish boundaries. Um, yeah, we got kids, but we we not having sex no more. Like, I'm not going to be laying in bed with you. We're going to keep this conversation strictly about the children and decide mm-hmm. on a timeline or a parenting plan. Um, and another thing that I do recommend is finding out who you are. So who are you outside of your roles as a mother, as a father, as a sister, as a brother, as a ex-wife or ex-husband, you have to really dig deep and figure out who you are outside of those roles because for so long we're just on autopilot living in roles and we don't even know what type of cereal we like outside of what our spouse likes or whatever. So you have to get back to mm-hmm. who you are. What, what do you value? What do you love about yourself? What do you want to change about yourself in the next relationship whenever you do decide to take that journey? Okay, so one of the things that I that I uh, took away definitely from the book, um, the way that it was written was obviously a definite focus on getting help. You know, getting help when maybe you're you're a little bit in over your head emotionally. When you're in uh-huh. over your head emotionally and you can't figure out how to deal with you know, unpacking the things that are really affecting you in a in a way. Um, but what about the people who are not as emotionally aware that this is even uh-huh. what they're doing? Like, you know, like they may not, you know, they may not know that the reason I'm yelling out in anger at you is because of maybe something that happened to me 20, 30 years ago before I even met you. And you just triggered me something, but I'm not emotionally aware enough to be able to say, this is why that triggered me. How, 
what do you think is a way, because I think that's part of our, our issue in community, in our community, is mm-hmm. that certain, like, psychological things we're not completely aware of. So what? how do you I, think that, you know, we could deal with that? That's a good question. So I think that for people in general, you reach a point to where you, well, most people, I feel, will reach a point to where they're at the end of their rope. But some people I don't feel like want to receive the help. They may not want to receive the help. They may feel ashamed. Or like you said, they may not be aware um, of where they are on that journey or aware emotionally. Um, But for people who are not emotionally aware, um, I think that honestly starting small with talking to somebody like talking to a close friend and Mm -hmm. allowing that close friend in on what's going on um could help so maybe you don't start off in therapy maybe you start off with talking to somebody who knows you well and you know just asking them like hey about do you think it's a problem with me and yelling out or the way that I, you know, I'm, I, the way that I handle certain things and just kind of having different conversations about life in general, because some people don't believe in therapy. Some people, Mm -hmm. you know, think that it's useless or don't subscribe to it. But I, I think that the main point of what I kind of want to get out into our community as well is the importance of just talking in general, because talking Mm -hmm. is therapy, right? So, yes, yes, talking to a professional, talking to a professional, of course, I advocate for that all day, all night. I, you know, there's no debate about it. But I think talking in general is helpful, talking in general, instead of allowing everything to bottle up. So the first step is just to talk about it, have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why, that's why I named the book Black Coffee, because when you experience coffee your senses are awakened when you consume coffee you're either in an intimate setting by yourself reflecting or you're with another person and y'all are in an intimate setting having a conversation so it just first Mm -hmm. starts with having a conversation with another person and getting out of your own head Interesting, because I, you know, I'm, I'm a Gemini actually, and I just literally had a deja vu. I just had a deja vu, like I have done this before. But <laughs> um, I'm a Gemini, and I was um, I, I scrolling Facebook in, in my live feed, whatever, came across something about um, like how Gemini's are. And one of the things that this, this person said in this video was that Gemini's stay in their head. And, and she, you know, most of it was funny, you know, ha, 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 ha. It's funny, <laughs> Gemini's are this way, that way, blah, 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 blah. But then she said, okay, but, but for real, though, but for real, for real, for real, um, Gemini's probably need to seek a little bit of therapy because they stay in their heads all the time. And mm-hmm. if you can't get out of your head and and just, you know, compartmentalize, move this over here, move that over there, it can then affect your emotional health. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I agree. But 
you know. But what we're actually going to do really quick is we're going to take a little bit of break. We're going to come back. I think we may got, you know, have uh, some other people that want to, you know, chime in on the conversation. We're going to play a little bit of music just to take a little break and and, and process everything that we just talked about. And then we're going to come back and, and do a little bit more. Okay. Now that I am sober, I take back what I said. I'm sitting with this love hangover. Boy, it's hurt in my head. It's the middle of October. And we just came to an end. I'm just sorry that there ain't no time left. You've been on my mind for a while now. Trying to get you off because it's ain't right now. It was a vibe for the time being It was nothing more but I just couldn't see it This is not a song for the whole world Felt like it could have been us against the whole world Maybe you were mine and I was your girl Whatever happened to the time that we spent so But I take back what I said I'm sitting with this love and Hello, 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 
hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back, welcome back. That is like one of my favorite. You know, I, I love uh, Jill Scott. Actually, Bree, did you watch the Jill Scott Erica Badu battle? I watched some of it. I'm I'm big fans of both of the ladies. Uh, I tell everybody I'm I'm a Jill Scott type of chick. I want to take long parts after dark. I mean, take long walks in the park after dark. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we actually got a caller that wants to um, have a, a little bit of a join in on this conversation. So we're going to bring in um, somebody else that maybe has a little bit of input. Oh, wait a minute, okay, Mara. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm here. I would like to say something. My name is Michelle. Hi, everybody. I don't know if you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, I'm Michelle. I'm just going to make this point really quickly. I'm a lot older than you guys. Uh, I am uh, 60 years old, just turned 60 years old. Um, I want to speak on, huh? I said, like, great. Yeah. Yeah, black don't crack, honey. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanna... When you come to Las Vegas, y'all know. <laughs> yeah. I wanna I wanna say something about that uh that codependency. Um and uh-huh. by me being sixty years old, I've been through a lot, so I can really tell you ladies, young ladies something to save you faith. That codependency comes down from generation to generation. We all know it started from slavery. And you know, mm. we never had a lot. They took everything away from us. So whenever we get mm-hmm. something, whenever we get a man, whenever we get a, a friendship or whatever, we try to hold on to that because that's something that that has been like really rare in our um, in our upbringing because of how we had to mm-hmm. struggle. You know, mm-hmm. we've lost friends due to it. You know, we've lost we we've lost contact. We've just lost reality, out of touch in reality because we were so programmed to do things a certain way. So that mm. codependency comes from deep within. Our parents didn't even know how to deal with it. I agree. Because they were part of that, part of that codependency. But once you start getting value, I can speak for how I feel. Once I started having value in myself, I didn't have that codependency anymore. I, I'm mm-hmm. the biggest, biggest person that had to deal with codependency. But I, I never was mm. able to deal with it long because I had so much value in who I was as a person mm-hmm. myself. So mm-hmm. I'm 60 years old. I've been married twice. And, um, you know, everybody was telling me, uh, Michelle, you you know, you always have boyfriends and you let them go so quick. I said, how you think I look so young? You know, that's why I look the way I do because I don't deal with it. We don't have to deal with it. You believe in the best of, of yourself. You know, you believe who you are and what you are and what you can do. And forget that stuff about uh, women need to stop trying to be a man. No, we're not trying to be a man. We're strong women. And it takes a strong mm-hmm. strong man to be with a strong woman. And if you can't find one, then it's best to be by yourself. And that's all mm-hmm. I need to say. I love y'all ladies. Take care oh. of yourself. <laughs> know that when you get older, you get, you don't get older, you get better, baby. Because I know yes. I am really refined like wine. I get better. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I love Absolutely. you, sister. Love you, too. Hey, love you, Take too. Take care, okay? Thank you for calling. All right. 
Thank you for calling, right. definitely. So as she said, so so then, you know, that kind of begs some, some additional questions about, you know, uh, if we start to bring in slavery and, and, and what has been kind of put into our heads, especially as, as black women, what has been put into our heads is what what we need to do. What what do we need to do? And I think the narrative definitely these days, like like twenty twenty, the narrative right now is that black women the, the the ride or die, you even mentioned ride or die in the book. Ride or die this I'm I'm here for this, I'm here you know my man needs blah, 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 like I got to be ride or die. But does that come at the detriment of our own self-love and care? Yes. Because I ain't ride think or die. Yes? I told you I ain't. Yeah, I think that when, when a person makes a decision to be the okay, let me back up. So what would you define as ride or die? What is that to you? What does that mean to you? Okay, so okay, so there I got I got two two thoughts. You know, probably my my Gemini split split personality, <laughs> but <laughs> okay. a little bit of a split. But I have what it means to me, ride or die to me. Well, no, let me let me mm-hmm. go. No, ride or die now, in the general perspective of what I perceive is what ride or die is. It's basically that. I deal with, as a woman, because I think ride or die usually only applies to women because I don't think we talk about Mm -hmm. men being ride or die. It only applies to women. So, okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) ride or die means that, okay, whatever it is that you do to me, whatever it is that you do that may negatively affect our family Whatever it is that you as the man, I'm talking you as the man, have going on, that I'm always there. I'm always there. Yeah. Regardless of whatever happens. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You go kill somebody, baby, I'm burying the body with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you. We, yeah. I got this shovel, baby. We 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 yeah. gonna bury this body. I ain't gonna never tell nobody nothing. Okay? I'm riding and dying with you right now. <laughs> Right. Yes. That's ride or die of twenty twenty. Okay. And it's that's and a negative thing. That's a negative thing. That's a negative yeah. thing. But what my opinion of ride or die is, like like for me personally in, in, in my home, my whatever it is, is that I will support your dreams. I will support what it is that you want to do. I will push you to be the best person that you can be. Absolutely. I'm going to push you. Absolutely. I'm going to push you. And you may not like some of my pushing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it may seem like, okay, well, you you doing this, and, you know, and, and this <laughs> get a little defensive sometimes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but at the end of the day, I am, if, if we're trying to build together and you are the quote-unquote leader man of the family, you know, you you the leader of the household and all of that, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to yeah. do. It's to push you to be the best that you I, can be. I agree. 
it should be a partnership, you know, um, an ebb and flow of, you know, us pushing and supporting each other. Um, and your definition of the ride or die was spot on. And I just, yeah, it's, that's just a whole nother episode that we can have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, what's this yeah. ride or die thing? Yeah, that whole ride or die um, perception or connotation. Um, and mm-hmm. you know what? I just, like like we said in the beginning, I just don't, I think it just gets crazy when my mental, physical, emotional, like all of that is put at stake just so I can say I'm here no matter what. Like what does that show my daughter? What does that show my son? Like what what type of picture am I painting for this family to where a person feels like they can do man or woman, they can do anything and you will still be there, you know? And you'll still um, be there. Yeah. Yep. Yep, absolutely. That's, and that's I think So then as far as, you know, in your cuz honestly like I said when I read your book and I in reading the book I was like, this is literally my life. You know, I I just came out of a 10-year relationship, kind of same thing, two children, 10-year relationship, Uh you know. And there were a a couple of points in in your book that I wanted to kind of touch on was, you know, one of the things you said was, if it's not love, it's not love if you can't be yourself. Yeah. If you can't be yourself. So if you're yeah. being someone else for 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 the sake of the relationship, then is that really love? But I think the the problem is that we you know the the whole kind of okay, when you meet somebody, you meet their representative. You meet yeah. who they want you to, you know, who they think you want to see. But the time period that it takes to actually know someone for real, for real, is much longer than what I think it is, what most people think it is, right? Yes. Yes. So what would you say? Because, you know, like Steve Harvey came out with the, with the, with the whole, you know, with, ugh, thinking like a man. What else? 90 days. All the thinking like a man. You know, the 90 days. <laughs> Do you <laughs> do you think the ninety days is enough to figure out who a person really is? You know what? I don't think ninety days is enough to figure out who somebody is, but I think ninety days is enough time to figure out if you can vibe with that person, um, or it's it's enough time to see those red flags. So I think part of the problem that we have is that we are so caught up in romanticizing that in dating, we're not considering the data. Like when you're dating, you're supposed to be collecting data about this person. You know, are we compatible Mm -hmm. when it comes to our values? Are we compatible when it comes to our lifestyle? Are we compatible when it comes to raising the kids? But we're caught Mm -hmm. up in the romance part of it. So I feel like, like the romance part can be built. But if I'm asking the right questions, you know, how do you feel Mm -hmm. about gender roles? Um, how do you feel about accountability? How do you feel about mm-hmm. abuse? And, you know, different different mm-hmm. pain points that really kind of shows you a person's background. 
I do think that 90 days is enough time because, baby, let me tell you something. Uh, I saw some red flags the first 90 days of dating my uh, now ex-husband. Mm, 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 what? Speak it. Yes. <laughs> That's a yes. Yes. You see him. You see him. You do. You do. But you go, like, what did you say? You go with uh, the potential? You do the yes. potential. Kind yes. of thing. Instead of the pattern, you looking at the yes. potential, like, oh, okay, well, I can, yes. I can fix it, I can fix it, you know. Yes. Mhm, mhm. No, I completely, completely agree with that because, you know, I had a situation, you know, similar situation as yours, and when you said one of your four points was commitment versus convenience, right? Yeah. Commitment right. versus convenience. And when, when, as black women, you know, of course, you know, we look for certain things, you know, we're like, okay, well, you, do, you got, do you have your own? Or, or, or What am I here for? You know what I'm saying? Are you really into me? <laughs> or are you really into the fact that I got a place for you to stay? It's, it's like, right. what, what is it? Like, <laughs> what you need? And so you can see the red flag, but then I guess that begs the question then again, why are we as women overlooking the red flag? Why do we overlook them? And we, we can see all of this stuff, and we overlook it. Um, I honestly think it's, it, it could be a combination of a variety of things. So one of them I feel is the whole pattern versus potential. Okay, you know, he may have anger issues, but, you know, he's nice to me sometimes. You know, so we look over, okay, he has a major anger problem that he needs to work through. And this is just hypothetical. So I think, again, that's that pattern versus potential. And then another part of it is I feel that some dysfunction, we've come to look at it as normal. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's normal if he cheat on me five, six, seven times for me to still hold him down because I got to go through hell and back to get the ring. So I just think that mm. some things we kind of normalize until we get to a point to where it's like, nah, sis, that ain't really normal. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I so, for me, I, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I think that that's, that is like, so then our end game as as black women, I guess maybe I'm, I'm I'm hypothesizing here, but maybe because what we're looking for is the ring, like we want the ring yeah. because we've been told that we yeah. don't get married. Yeah, black women don't get married. Right. So that's our end game. Is that that's that's the goal? Okay. Well, I need to do whatever I need to do in order for. This man to put a ring on it. Even Beyonce had a whole song. Put a ring yes. on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> put a ring on yes. it. You know, yes. if you want it, put a ring on it. So yes. then, so then, okay. So does that mean that we cannot feel whole if we don't have a ring on it? So. So that that's a very good question, and I think it's going to lead into the third point that I have. So I think the third point is that 
many, I won't say all, because there are a lot of black women with healthy relationships with their fathers, but there are a good mm-hmm. amount of us that may not have had a healthy relationship. So we have a few voids that we don't even realize that we may have. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. that that kind of plays a role too in wanting to fill that void. Like we feel like we will have, we have having a ring, having a marriage will be able to patch up that abandonment issue that really our having a relationship with our father would be able to heal. You know what I'm saying? So that's mm-hmm. kind of like the third point, like unresolved tra- childhood trauma, unresolved mm-hmm. mother trauma, unresolved father trauma. So it's just a matter mm-hmm. of reparenting ourselves. Are we really looking for a companion or are we looking for a daddy? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just kind of like the other major piece of it. Or mother. Mm-hmm. Some people look or, for mother. Yeah, yeah, that's right. what or mother. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, mm-hmm. like the mother or the father issue. Mhm. Mhm. So then, how do we repackage? You know, say going forward, we're we're in 2020, okay? And you you know you got the the elder generation. You know, they had what they had, and then um, you know the the older, for real older, the the 80, the 90 year olds. Okay, they went through something that's different than what say like. Our parents who are maybe like about 60, you know, mm-hmm. 60 to 70, like that generation went through something else. And now we're at a generation of, you know, the, the 40s, uh, the people who are in their uh, 30s to 40s. Mm-hmm. Like how do we repackage to where we're not continuing the cycle or how do we help? to fix the situation to where it's not like, you know, okay, well, you just, you kind of take this stuff, you take that stuff. Like, how do we repackage this? Um, that's a good question. I, For me, I think the first step of it is what we're doing right now. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Talking about Talk, it. Talking about um, it. Talking about it. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm sure that – did Sergey want to say something? I'm sorry. No, I was saying communication because that's what I was thinking. But I have another one. I'm going to let you finish. Yeah, so that was definitely. Yeah, so I think the first point is recognizing that, you know, we need to talk because in our community, we don't want to tell nobody our business. You know, we want to keep everything to ourselves, and that hurts us more than it helps us. And I understand that, okay, yeah, you don't want to let anybody know everything because a lot of times we do tell people stuff and they go tell this person, that person, or the third person. But I do think Mm -hmm. that the first step is to talk about it, having this conversation like we're having, and then Mm -hmm. it going from there. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, you know, being that, you know, obviously this is about community, it is about our community in general, you know, not just, you know, this this subset of our community, like I was saying before about, you know, emotionally aware versus emotionally unaware. So, you know, you have the, the subset of our community that you and I, you know, like I said, and I, I will keep saying, I read your book, I felt like it was me. Like, it, it, it's me. You know what I mean? This is This is me. 
But there's another subset of our community that would read this book and would probably be like, I don't know what the hell she's talking about. She ain't talking about nothing. Like, no, 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 no. No, that nigga ain't shit. Ain't did, 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 you know, and they going to go into, you know what I'm saying? They going to talk to people that are of their same like mind. You know what I'm saying? Because they, they, everybody's going to want to hear validation of their opinion. You know what I mean? True. Like, when I call my girlfriend and I tell my girlfriend, oh, girl, this man did this, 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 and that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I want to hear my girlfriend say, girl, yeah, you was right, girl. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You should have done that. You should have done that. And then so then I feel validated in my opinion. But if we're actually talking about building communities and building us to a better family structure or taking us back to a better family structure, what do we yeah. do then about the people that, like this kind of emotional awareness is really like 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 they're so far gone, and and then they are the ones that like have well not to say everybody has toxic relationships, but Absolutely. like certain levels of toxicity. Then if you can't recognize it and write a book like Brie Gordon, write a book Black Coffee like Brie Gordon and realize <laughs> it, then. What do you do about those people? And I think, you know, and I think that's a lot of our people. Stop enabling them with the, yes, girl, you was right. Like that friend you oh. call, that, 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 that you want that friend to say, yes, girl, you was right. Start telling the truth. See, we have to start that's telling true. the truth to our friends and not enable. It's a difference. It's a thin line between support and enabling. Like if your friend call you call your friend and explain the situation and you want your friend to say, yes, you're right. You're looking to be enabled. Mm. A real friend is gonna tell you straight up. A real friend, a real friend will tell you. Yeah, they're they gonna ride with you, right or wrong, but they're yeah. gonna tell you. Yes. They're gonna also correct you too. Yeah. They're gonna correct you too. And that what I was gonna say after the communication part <clears throat> is trust and belief. We have to start trusting each other and just believing each other. Yes. That's sometimes that's that. all. That's sometimes that's that's mostly that's mostly what we want. Just believe in me, woman, or believe in me, man. That's what you know men what I'm want. Both of them both want it. A woman wants you to believe in them. A man, a man definitely wants you to believe in them because, like, like the lady that called earlier about the slavery, because we've been so torn apart. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, our, and our backs been turned against each other. We turned against each other. So I need my woman to believe in me again. Yes. You right. need to believe. You want to believe in your man again. It's hard to believe in your man again. When it seemed like they like you just not there, yeah. Because slavery. Like well, I mean that was the point of right. You know, that slavery was, was right. That the was point. the whole point. So we have to sometimes just believe, just believe in each other, trust in each other, communication. But if you have it. a situation where you know you want to do that, like I think I I think honestly I think black women because if you look at the statistics of it all. Black women don't really, for real, go outside of the race to date, to marry. Like, we don't go outside of the race. I think. We want to be with black men. I think both do. I think they do. But because we don't communicate, like she said, we got to start talking. The lines of communication between black men and black women. Okay, but where where does communication start? Communication starts from. 
trusting that you can talk to them. Like, but like, no, like, like allowing yourself to be vulnerable, right? Right. Yeah, uh, allowing yourself to. to be vulnerable. But I think the, in in my opinion, we have gotten so far apart from each other. Seriously, like so far apart that black men and black women have like a whole uh, I can't say all but in general it's a whole different perspective like how a black woman feels right now in 2020 and how a black man feels right now in 2020 we we are so separated as people Mm. Because, okay, because, okay, Bree, let me ask you this, because um, at the end, at the end of the book, you know, mm-hmm. you, you went into a story about your grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. How your grandmother was, what your grandmother did, you know, her bit, like, you know, I don't want to give it away too much, I'm not going to give away nothing, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> You went into a story about your grandmother, which you, the story that you painted with your grandmother is was exactly my grandmother. That was my really? grandmother. Yes. That was my grandmother. And when I read it, I'm like, yep, that's my grandmama Susie. That's my grandmama Susie. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and I'm reading it. I'm like, we, you and I had the same, almost just comparable parallel experiences, and I would mm-hmm. assume that you and I are about the same age. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. And so then it comes down to, okay, if we're all experiencing this all at the same time, all in similar manners, then mm-hmm. really, like, okay, is is this just what, you know, my individual experience was, or is this some kind of design? It's design because, see, uh, the reason both of you have that thing, majority of people in our generation have that grandmother. But what happens is we're so filtered with other, other cultures' mess, other cultures' mess, that it, it – it infiltrates into our system and confuses mm. us of who we are to each other. Like so, then we're creating because because the grandmothers the, the grandmothers today are not like the grandmothers you all you're talking about. Oh no, no. they're not because there's <laughs> so much that has happened. Like these movements that that we're getting involved in that you all are getting involved in is is other cultures' mess. Mm-hmm. It's not our mess. We didn't never became our mess until they they convinced us to get involved with their mess, and now it filtered. Well, I don't know if they convinced us to get involved with their mess. I feel like we were so interested in being equal that we didn't understand that the they equality caused, they caused confusion. That the equality of it was then going to be different for us than the equality for them. It wasn't it wasn't the same equality because our men aren't the men that are in power. So we wanted to be equal. We wanted to be equal but white men 
are in power, black men ask, are not. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that our expectations are, are unrealistic? For instance, uh, uh, let's say, let's just take, let's start the black woman. A black woman, want a, if, you, if you want a man, a black man of power in a system that we already know without a shadow of a doubt is designed so the black man never has power. But yet we're, we're we're wanting a black man of power. No, let me ask Bree. Hold on. Let me let me let okay. me stop you right there. I'm sorry. I need to ask Bree. So Bree, what? Yes. Okay. If you could build your ideal man right now, build him. Build him, and it is completely all your hundred percent input. What would you build in that man? Um, honesty, integrity, God-fearing, um, very supportive. Um, also, um, outside of being supportive, I will also, a conversationalist, he has to like to talk. Um, also, he would, you know, be... Uh, open-minded, supportive, um, ambitious, um, at least five, six. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> oh, bring that height in. Bring five, that height in. That's right. Bring that height in. <laughs> no, yeah. Sergey, I am five, one, and that's a push. So I'm saying oh, five six. Wait, is wait, like, you're five one and oh, yeah, you want a five six, six dude? So, okay, so, okay, five inches. Okay, so we need five inches of height above me. Okay, all right. Okay, um, I got you. Uh, like I said, um, God fearing, um, very uh, can communicate. Um, consistency is major. Um, mm. I, you know, I like a creative type of guy, so I'm not really, like, particular on he has to be in this career, this field, or whatever that, you know, whatever the case. He, the money is the money part of it, saying he got to make a certain amount of money. I just would like for you to have goals and ambitions and be purpose-driven in whatever you do. Um, you have to like kids because I have two young kids, um, mm-hmm. family-driven, Um but that's, I mean, that's pretty much my build of man. I don't really have, he has to be black. Um, I don't want any mm. other gen. Does other he race. have to be black for real, for real? Yes, ma'am. He has to be black. My okay. son is black. My daughter's black. And I'm black. Uh, <laughs> so I okay. want a healthy uh, black man to be a role model figure in my son's life, for sure. Um, have to be accountable. Um, open to therapy because I'm a big advocate for therapy um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I have more on the list but those are pretty much like some of my major um, build a man okay so if you, if you meet if you meet this, this guy he has all this mm-hmm. all of these qualities right um, mm-hmm. because relating it back to you know what our black men are going through relating it back to mm-hmm. so you meet a guy that has all of Pretty much all of the other qualities that you want and feel that's the, if you built your man, that's what you were going to build. Mm-hmm. Let's say um, he works 
at uh he works at McDonald's. I knew you were he works at McDonald's. Uh-huh. He makes like eight dollars an hour. He has dreams. He has dreams and goals and all that stuff. But he works at McDonald's. Would that then be a yeah, no, I'm not gonna, you know, deal with him talking to him. Nothing. Would, would would that then immediately mean that? Um, immediately no. Um I wouldn't cut you off because, you know, of that for that reason. Um, I would ask you like what is your vision? What is your plan? Um you know, do you plan on working at McDonald's? Like, where do you see yourself in the next year or next six months? What What do you plan on doing as far as, you know, working for McDonald's or working at McDonald's? But I'm not going to, like, completely, oh, my God, you suck because you work at McDonald's. Because, I mean, I feel like I don't know how he got there. Maybe he worked somewhere else a month before that and had to work at McDonald's to hustle for a little bit until – he can get on his feet to do something else. Like, I don't, I can't judge you based on where you are in that season. Mm. I just need mm. you to have a Yeah, yeah right, right, right. that's what I was thinking. That's, yeah. Because three years, Absolutely. two years, you, you bail Absolutely. on him. You might see him next week. He might be owning the franchise. Yeah. I mean, so I think, like, what are, what are you doing on a consistent basis to make certain that you are living out your vision and your purpose? That's where I am with that. But I think that men, like men and kind of what Sergey was saying is just that, you know, the, the, the needing of support, needing of support and to kind of bring it back to the topic that we're talking about, which is codependency and toxic relationships. So uh-huh. if we're talking about that, you know, men need, our black men need, are we pretty much in a situation to where it's difficult to have a healthy relationship because there is just already kind of a built-in, a built-in need? for black men or built-in uh-huh. need for black women. Are we pretty much at the point to where we can't even have productive relationships because the toxicity is built in? Right. Can I can I can I share something that I experienced today? Sure. Please. I had I'm a I'm a Uber driver, so I have a it was an Uber chronicle for the day. I picked up a young man today that was leaving his lady house, right? So he gets uh-huh. in the car and starts to vent. Like, yeah, she's mad. Um, I don't like people coming over, so she's mad. I'm leaving. And he just starts talking about how she always complains about what he don't do. Uh, he makes pizza. She orders, a, she paid $30 for a pizza to be delivered. She wanted it now. And she didn't, she didn't want to wait for him to make the pizza. So he also went on to say that, you know, he, like, I have this older white woman. I have an older white woman, like he said, I can cook. I have an older white woman that tells me all the time she 
I, she wants me to own my own food truck. Why don't you own your own food truck? He goes to say, the black woman he just left never says that to him. Never says that to him. Mm. The older woman, the older white woman says, own your own food truck. The, the, the black woman comp- complains about what he don't do. He can cook. Mm. He got cooking skills, like top top paid cooking skills, he says. And let me so <laughs> talking about the need. Ah, yeah, let me get him. Let me get him. <laughs> talking about the need and built in, I think, yes, because because we were snatched from you all and left y'all left y'all to fend for the family for y'all sales. Some black women, their needs is, I just want you here. I just want you here. But That's a good it observation. Like, just, from hearing, just from hearing him talk, it seemed like his, his black woman wanted him to just be home, be here. It wasn't go be... Go, go out and go Right, right. Go get your food yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah. I want mm-hmm. you here. You want, him, you want him up under you, but yet, so you can... Also tell him he ain't doing shit, but you still want him up under you all day, every day. Mm. Wow. And so our needs is like a part two, like that built-in need you're talking about, like that shit was implanted. Yeah. It was snatched away yeah. from y'all. So like sometimes all the black women want, I just need my man here. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's a real, we that's just a really need you point. to believe. We just yeah. need you to believe in me. I just need you right. to believe in me. So, See, I'm like, here, but yet you're telling me I ain't doing shit. Right. Like. So are we are we actually living out this agenda of creating toxic relationships in our own communities because that is the agenda. The agenda is to make our relationships toxic. Correct. Yes, the agenda was to toxic. To 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 pollute our relationship. Because if you look at honestly, and when I look at now that I'm thinking about it, when I look at your book, and I and I recall the three the three stories of your book, Miss Bree, mm-hmm. that then there's you know, in in one situation it was this, in another situation it was this, in another situation it was that. Um, mm-hmm. three completely different things that then obviously all of these people are, or all of the, the um, men were black men. They were black men. Yeah. One, one man, you know, tried to support and provide, and another man is just doing, you know, whatever, you know, he's just whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it is just like, okay. Are the men being trained in a way to actually be men? Mm. Are they being trained to be men? To where they even I, understand? Because I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to say one thing, and I, I, I would really, really love your opinion on this, Miss Bree. Oh, okay. So... I have a friend that, you know, she she had been dealing with a man, dealing with a man, and the man was, you know, for all accounts and purposes, maybe a little bit emotionally unavailable, a little bit, you know. 
Um, they, you know, no real commitment, no relationship, no, you know, nothing like that. But, you know, sexual chemistry was there. They, you know, were intimate and all that. But my friend wanted the relationship to go to another level. So she, she went above and beyond. She went above and beyond um, to try and uh, show him that she was interested. So she she's doing all this stuff, doing all this stuff. And then she did it, and he was like, oh, my God, nobody's ever done this for me kind of thing. And then um, then he, like, didn't call her for, like, the next week. And she's like, but I did all this stuff that, that was to show you that I was interested, you know, that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm here for you. I've got, you know, this and that. And, you know, you just kind of ghosted after that. And it's kind of like, well, we can continue to do these things as women, but it kind of feels like we are doing a lot of things for men. We do a lot of things mm-hmm. for men that then we as black women are not getting back what it is that we do. Am I wrong or what do you think? I mean, I'm, as a woman, I'm going to have to agree. Um, <laughs> I feel like, I do feel like there is a major line of miscommunication um, between, you know, what we expect in relationships um, and what we, you know, what we want or what we need. Um, as a woman, I, I, as black women, I do feel like we express our, our interests or we try to do these wifely duties in the beginning and, a lot of times I, I feel like it's taken for granted, Sir Jay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm saying that because well, you're, you're the man on the line. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I, 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 I was married to a, you know, a software engineer. He made good money. Um, he worked a lot. And like you said, I just wanted quality time. Like, yes, being a software engineer is great. Um, I helped you, you know, stay up late night, do your work assignments, you know, and stuff like that to help you and support you to get to the next level. No, I wasn't perfect, but yes, I was super supportive. And at the end of the day, I still, still feel like it wasn't enough. I still experienced abuse and infidelity and betrayal. So like, what is enough? It's it, that kind of, kind of questions or makes, black women start to question themselves, in my opinion. Yeah. And see, me personally, like I tell my lady, I don't want us to compare the things we do for each other or to each other. Because that, like, I, like, the expectations a male and female have, I don't think we should compare because your what your strength is is what your strength is. What my strength is is yep. what my strength is. You know, and we have to accept that and let if if your strength is budgeting the books, I'm gonna let you budget the books. You know, don't expect me to be able to budget the books the way you budget the books. 
Uh, don't expect me to clean the way you clean. Your strength is tidy and organizing. Don't expect me. Don't like. That's not compare what we do for each other. Again, that's that. That's that mess that other cultures infiltrate. I don't think we ever originally had a, a, a issue of comparing and like I do this, but I do get once it become a situation where it's with a toxic person and you 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 you're trying to be the best wife or the best husband and they really just don't give a fuck and they they verbally abusing you, blah, 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 you, it make it hard for you to continue to want to do those things when they are not even, their strength, is, you, don't even, you can't even see their strength because all they want to do is knock you. All they want to do is knock That's you, true. knock you, knock you. That's right. true. Right. To, to, to stroke their, their, their toxicity, which is probably their control issue, their narcissistic, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So it, it make it difficult for you to give that to someone else because you were just shown a very, very bad example of that. Like, nah, I, I'm not going to do that no more for somebody to just shit on me. <laughs> like, right. No. So my, my my question is, though, I how I guess how and in what platform would the conversation start to you know, get the, us on the same page of communication. Like, there are podcasts and blogs and stuff like that um, out here, and we're on a platform now where I feel like, you know, men and women are listening to. But I don't, mm-hmm. like, I guess, I guess I'm just trying to think, like, at what point do you all think we will get to a point of understanding or will we never reach that point of understanding? Learn how to accept the... Uh truth of accountability and accepting the truth. Like, mm. you got to, like, for instance, men say, like we had, we kind of talked about yesterday on our show, we talked about yesterday about women and too much makeup and, and they're reasoning for, like, a low self-esteem. And I tell my partners, like, we got to, as men, we got to own our part in a dismantling of a woman's self-esteem. Like, we, oh, that's we so true. Years, for years, we indulged in the whole bitches and hoes and sluts and all this, da 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 and, like, we don't own that. And then when you get older, you expect the woman to be who you want them to be, but, and complain about the weave, the hair, and all that stuff, but mm-hmm. we, we created that low self-esteem. Like, even right. as children, don't, like, if you got children, a, a brother and a sister, don't let them pick on each other because that stuff sticks. That stuff can stick. There's, there's like a really tough place where they're just children. No, they're not. Like they're learning everything we learn. Everything our habits as adults we learned as kids. Yep. Like, yep. So like, don't let your your children siblings pick on each other. Like, no, don't pick on each other. Tell your sister she's beautiful. Tell your tell your tell your brother he's handsome. Say thank you to your brother. Hold the door open for your sister. We gotta start grooming this stuff because everything we all we learned is completely agree. No. I I per like Middle school, like that's what 12, 11, 12. Yep, I know. I remember a, a, a boy, a classmate that was 
selling off his sister, his little sister, for stuff that come out of the the, the poverty neighborhoods, like drugs. Like he was at really? school. Like he was twelve. So she was ten or eleven. Wow. And he was passing his sister around like that's lack of respect for your siblings and we gotta not Yeah. Can't you don't condone that behavior amongst your the children, like so and you gotta be accountable. We gotta be everybody be accountable as men, we gotta be accountable for our part for why the women are the way they are. Same time, women gotta be accountable women too. Have to be accountable. Yes, it's accountability. We lack accountability. We don't we're too busy. Well, we were blaming each other. We, we continue to blame right. each other. Right. We continue to blame each other. We all sit here all day and we know we know that this is like systematic design, but yet because like you were saying, Bree, you try to be the wife, to be the fulfill the wifely duties and, and just to get shitted on, like, nah, bro, I'm not finna sit here and, and like let you let be your punching bag because you had a long day at work, like, mm-hmm. you know, right. so not going to take that out on me because you're too weak to take to stand up for yourself at work. Right. Because it, it, right. goes, it goes with some, some men, some men too weak to stand up to their wives, and they come to work and try to and try to be the old over-abusive manager. Like, bro, you're not going to be power-driven because you can't handle your wife at home or whatever. Right. That stuff bleeds, and I just, I don't, I don't, that's why I don't, so I want to ask a question, though, um, to kind of start to round it out a little bit. But once we've been in these toxic relationships, um, once we've been in these toxic relationships, like the level of healing that has to come out of that. And one of the points, that I think is a very good point that was made in the book was about understanding loss. Understanding loss, Mm -hmm. like what Mm -hmm. loss really means. And Mm -hmm. that you have lost something. You probably lost a lot, you know. Like you said, you may may lose your house. You may lose, you know, you you lose your your family and quote-unquote what think your family was supposed to be, you lose, maybe start to lose some money, you start to lose when there is a breakup of, like, these kinds of relationships in a a lot of ways. I mean, a breakup in general is going to cause some loss. But, you know, when you've got children involved, when you've got... uh, of finances involved, houses, like all kinds of stuff, the sense of loss is what has to actually be dealt with too, not just like, like, okay, people tell you just just move on, just just move on, just move on, just move on, let it go, let it go, let it go, that he wasn't good for you, girl, let it go, okay, (laughs) let it go, but (laughs) you have to actually deal with the grief of it. Yes. Like just like when you lose somebody that dies. Like you, you gotta mourn yep. you gotta mourn the thing. You know, you gotta mourn what you thought was about to be your life. 
what you thought you were doing, but like you got to mourn in the process of grief, of losing something, is a whole process. It's it, it steps. It's and steps to it. That's interesting you said that because uh, on one of the shows that I've done before, we talked about that whole concept of in our culture of don't say nothing, don't say nothing, be silent, be silent, let it go, let it go, leave it alone. And that causes, that whole mentality leads to very toxic mentalities as adults. Like, yep. losing lose a, a, a female or a male losing innocence as a child because someone touches them in the house, you know what I'm saying? And they can't talk to no, you telling them don't talk to nobody about it. So you grow up like your mental is gone. It's, it's, you are yep. very toxic. Mm-hmm. You're damaged goods now because of the whole don't say nothing, don't say nothing. Like that that whole code we got in our culture, we need to get rid of that. We need to get rid of that. We need to get rid of that. We have to talk. We have to begin to talk. But then you get a lot of nobody understands. So a lot of people be afraid. Like I can't talk to nobody because nobody understands me. Like we swear that what we're going through, nobody ever in life, is going through what I'm going through. But adversity is adversity. Trauma is trauma. No, nobody's going to, do, nobody's going to, nobody's going to necessarily yeah. go through the exact same thing you go through. But right. we all know what hurt feels like. Well, if we actually talk about, okay, because, you know, I'm very much so, like, I, I like definitions and stuff. Like, let, let, like, like, let's go into the definition of it. And the stages of grief, the stages of grief are denial, one, denial and isolation, two, anger, three, bargaining, four, depression, and finally you get to acceptance, step number five. And when you lose a relationship, right, Miss Bree? Yes. Do you think, do you yes. think that's, that's accurate as far as, like, the uh, – the um, psycho, you know, what they put in the, the whatever they call it, the book of, of psychological stuff. I, I do. And as you were talking about it, I was just trying to pinpoint, like, at what points of time did I go through those things? Because I do think that um, they occur in a cycle. So you could be experiencing you know, all of those things maybe in one day or over a span of time. Um, but mm-hmm. all of those steps are part of the process of grief um, when going through a divorce or a separation um, of any mm-hmm. relationship. And, again, I think that it's an important process that people should sit with instead of trying to get rid of because it doesn't feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and another. Do you I think guess, that you get to acceptance without? Uh, do you think that when you get to the final step of acceptance, do you think you go back after that? Like, do do you think you can go through any of the other steps once you have reached the final stage of acceptance? Do you think you go yes. back? I think you can, um, because as okay. humans, we're so. I think our emotions are so all over the place because it's, it's for me, I was in a 10 year on and off relationship. So I think that it's no 
in my mind, I think that I can't just get to a point of acceptance and be like, all right, you know what, I'm done. No, I think that it, you know, it takes time. Okay, I've accepted it today, but then the next day something may trigger where I experience a little bit of sadness or I get mad about a song may come on on the radio and I get angry all over again. So I do think mm-hmm. that they can occur um, more than once, and once you get to the point of acceptance, you can experience other things again. Okay, so then Especially if when, you when children are involved. If you get to the point of acceptance, in, in most days, say most days, you experience the, the final step of it, acceptance, and say you have those triggers like what you just said, you have a trigger of okay, well, I just heard this song, and this 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 song was when we was in a good place. Like, and now, <laughs> you know, I, I got back in my feelings, like, why, you know, why we didn't do it, you know, I was really there, you know, I'm talking, I'm upset, like, holy shit. Okay, so how do you deal with that? Um, you know, I think that it's important for us to acknowledge negative emotions. Like, people want to feel happy all the time, but we're just not, we're human, you know? And so after you acknowledge where you are, my therapist taught me a good strategy to help center myself to the present. So anxiety Uh is when you are worried about what's ahead of you. Depression is when you're worried about what's behind you. So Ooh, for the most part, I think you, that thank you, girl. We, <laughs> we we want to live in the present, right? So when I was in therapy and I was anxious about some things because, again, I was in a toxic relationship, she helped me to center myself by looking around the room and pointing out colors. Bree, you know, first I would say my name is Bree. And then I would say my age. At that point, I was 31. I'm 31. And then I would say, I see the color blue. I look around. I see the color white. I see the color gray. And that helps you center you to your present moment. So instead of you living back in the past where y'all was seven years ago when things were great or thinking about what the divorce proceedings are going to look like seven weeks from now, you are able to focus and center yourself on what's going on in that present moment. You better say that, girl. You better say that, girl. You better tell them. You better tell them because that is, like, literally, like, yes, absolutely. Like, you, 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 you know, we, we so have this tendency to just look back all the time or yeah. look forward all the time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one or, you know, it's one or the other or it could be both at the same time. You could you could be looking back and looking forward at the same time, and yes. so in order to live in your best life, like this whole like best life thing, that's probably a whole different conversation. But your <laughs> best life is that you then live in your moment, live in the moment, yeah. live it, live yeah. what's going on in this moment that yeah. You make decisions based upon what is going on. Let me take inventory. Let me take inventory right now of what is happening right now. Yep. Not what, got, what happened yesterday 
and not what could potentially happen tomorrow. But let me take some inventory right now, today. Yep. Yep. And, and when I you think take also, your inventory, mm-hmm, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Mm, you go ahead. No, I was just saying, I think another thing that helps is crying. Like, for me, it's so mm. cleansing to cry. It's so mm. cleansing. Um, I think that, you know, for the most part, crying is associated with weakness. But mm. crying, I don't know, I felt lighter when I cried and allowed myself to just feel. Can I tell you something? about that? Sure. I'm going to say something about that real quick. Is that I spent years, years and years and years and, and years and years where I never cried. I never, ever cried about heart, like, like anything. And I would be like, and I would tell people, I never cry. I don't cry. I don't cry. Like, and they were like, what do you mean you never cry? I don't cry. And then as I got older, when I got older and then I had a situation that I think really, really deeply affected my heart, mm-hmm. I started crying like nobody's business. Like I would cry at the drop of a dime, like, like you know, <laughs> watching a movie. I'm crying. Watching it, <laughs> doing it. I'm crying. Like, I'm crying all the time. Now, now I went from the person that never cried to the person that cries all the time. <laughs> and I couldn't figure it out. Like, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what is happening here? How did I go from I never cried until to, to now? Where I cry at like literally any anything if it's a puppy on the screen, a puppy on the screen that what something happened to the puppy I'm I'm, I'm crying now I'm crying well, okay well that's that's the thing like people we, we don't understand what crying is good for like you said it's necessary but crying to let it out is what it's about, but then constantly crying then becomes something else. That when it doesn't, I don't think it benefits as more as it becomes detriment. Or it means something. It's what it is. It means something when you cry a lot. Like when you cry a lot and you're maybe not in a situation to where you you know, should be crying that way. You know, if, if if you're watching a movie and something triggers you and then you just start crying uncontrollably, you know, what Ms. Bree is saying is about, you know, some mental health things. Like, you know, when you, when you have uncontrollable crying, like you just you you're crying for different reasons and then you just mm-hmm. it's uncontrollable, then that becomes a time where you may need to go talk to somebody. You yeah. may need to go talk to somebody yeah, to that's deal. What I'm that's what I'm saying. Like because 
you you it's okay to cry, but it's not okay to be always crying. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's it's mm-hmm. it, it, that's that's yeah. To always like always now, especially if it's over the same thing. Now, I think when you're saying it, it can be different things. Some people can be just what they call an empath, where you just you feel others' pain. Like yeah, yeah, because I be I be watching all kinds of stuff, and I just be crying. I just be crying like, and I did you cry, baby, cry, baby, cry, baby, cry, baby. I just be crying like, oh my god, that dog, that dog. But when you figure out, like, why it is that you're crying, like, why are you crying about that? You know, and maybe it's, you know, I'm kind of Freudian in in a sense that, yeah, like, there's so much stuff that you kind of harbor inside of your spirit, inside of your soul, that you don't understand how those things manifest all the time. Right. You don't know Right. What it means, like, you know, if if your mom was mean to you, like, what that means? Like, what what does that right. mean now? What? Why is the reason now that I'm mean or I'm angry about this or angry about that? Because maybe you, you know, put that up somewhere that then, you know, you just became a whole different person and don't even realize it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, that I mean, that is what it is. And the point of the matter is, how do we heal? That's the whole point. How do we heal? How do we, how do we get ourselves, our community, back to where we are whole within ourselves? How do you be whole within ourselves. That's why serenity and soul is what it is. It's serenity. Serenity means peace. Mm-hmm. How do we build peace? And soul is, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw on some music every now and then, you know, there's, there's, there's <laughs> like some music, you know, the soul, because I like the soul. But serenity and soul is what I'm trying to achieve is let's get some peace. Let's figure out what peace looks like for us in 2020 and moving forward even, not just in 2020, but moving forward. What does peace look like for us as a people? And so I am committed to the peace. I'm committed to the peace. So when you say what commit what how we heal as a whole as a community, I think that we kind of you know touched on some of the things um, because I mean it took so long for us to get to the point to where we are now, so it's gonna take some time for us to kind of you know rebuild a healthy, loving community um but we just have to, like Jay said, Sir Jay said, trust and believe and be vulnerable enough to, vulnerable and self-aware enough to know that there is a problem in the first place. Because some people may not believe that it's a problem with our community right now. Yeah, I think that there's, that's 
part of the problem is that, that people don't think that there's a problem. Cultural, <laughs> like, cultural denial. Like, right, like people don't <laughs> think that there's a problem. But there is a problem, and we have to continue to work to build our relationships back together to where our men are our men. They're, they're our men the same way that white people do it, honestly. You know, and I, I'm not racist, and if there's any white people listening, this is not about black people need to be black people, white people need to be white people. No, it's, it's not even about that. It is more so about that we are a people that has had our culture, religion, and everything taken from us, and then yeah. certain things about how we even relate to each other has been manipulated to where yes. we have created these toxic relationships between us as people. Like, yep. there's no pitting Asian men against Asian women. There's no pitting of that. There's no pitting white men against white women. No pitting of Indian men against Indian women. Like, it is literally, we are only, the only race that are being pitted against each other. Inside yeah. of our, inside of our lives. So, it is imperative that we try to figure out how do we put it back together? How do we put it back together? that we're not pitted against each other, or even if we are, that we rise above and say, no, you're not going to pit me against my brother. Yep. You're not going to pit me against my brother. And my brother is not going to hurt me, and my and I'm not going to hurt my brother. Like, we just got to get back to a, get to a place to where... That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. That we are loving on each other. That we are building each other. That we are saying, bruh, you can do it. You can do it. I'm not going to tear you down. I'm not going to do it. And we just got to get there. We got to get there. Through whatever means necessary. Yep. So we're about close to the end of the show at this point. So I want to say thank you so much, Miss Bree Gordon. I'm gonna have to call you. you after this and talk to you. Like I think you know <laughs> me and you. I'm going to have to talk to you later. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk Definitely. to you later. Definitely. Definitely. I am so appreciative. Thank you so much, Ms. Bree Gordon. And make sure, anybody, everybody listening, make sure, go get black coffee. Go get black coffee. It is written in a way that you are going to see yourself in this book, I promise you, you're going to see yourself in the book. I promise. So, Black Coffee by Miss Bree Gordon. 
amazing read, amazing read. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I, I had to read what happened with these women. What, what, oh, 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 I had to read it. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Bree Gordon, for being on for my first inaugural Serenity and Soul show. No, thank you and for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to ride out right now to a little bit of music, you know, because that's, that's the soul part. That's the soul. We got to do the soul. So let's do the soul. Third day is going to do the soul. And Can anyone live with us a kid? That's not for me to decide. That's for someone who decides to live with me to decide. Not for me. But are you willing to compromise within a relationship? To compromise? What is compromising? Compromising for what? Compromising for what reason?